Contemporary Circumstances. I'm your host, Alina Sowers, a licensed professional counselor in Ohio. And I'm your co-host, Cora Mayfield, also a licensed professional counselor in Ohio. In this podcast, we will discuss many uncommon topics on all matters mental health. The views and opinions expressed here do not reflect the agencies that we work for. Hey, everyone. So last season, we kept telling you guys that there's treatment out there and that help is available. So I'm really excited. I'm hoping that this season we can show you guys that that is true. And so we're going to start the season off by talking about EMDR this episode. Um, EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization Reprocessing. And this treatment protocol was first developed by Shapiro back in 1987. So Francine Shapiro, when she was taking her walk in her park, she did this frequently on her work days, on her lunch hour. And she would sit at the bench and just watch people walking along the path and think about whatever problems she was trying to solve. And so she would watch them walk from one side of her peripheral vision all the way across the field of vision to the other side. And she started to notice that when she did this exercise during her lunches, she would come back to the office and feel better about the problem she was trying to solve and sometimes have a solution. So she wasn't exactly sure how this worked, but she started to apply this technique to some of her patients. So we're still not exactly sure how EMDR works, but we do have quite a bit of research that shows us that it does work. There are a couple different theories out there for the reasons behind EMDR working. And so one of those or uh, one of those explanations is that when we go through a traumatic event or a traumatic experience, information gets locked into its own memory network with the thoughts, feelings and body sensations that are related to that experience. And because of this, other information is not able to be integrated with the rest of our memory network, and we're not able to integrate it into schemas like we typically would with ordinary memory. So this leaves the information left in fragmented form. What EMDR tends to do is it appears to help us integrate information from those different memory networks and to help us make a broader, more complex understandings of that information. The next part of that EMDR is that we're trying to integrate both the left and the right hemispheres of the brain. So during the EMDR process, we use bilateral stimulation. What that means is that we're stimulating two sides of the body. And in doing so, it helps the two halves of the brain communicate, helps relieve some of the emotional charge and move us into a more objective understanding of the incident. We're now getting in the rational objective side of our brain to communicate with the more emotional side. The other part of this is the eye movements. Um, so what Cora is talking about when she mentions bilateral stimulation is there's actually a couple of different options out there for that bilateral stimulation. It used to be just eye movements when EMDR was first developed. We've since then learned that it doesn't have to be just eye movements. We can induce the same effect by having what's called therotappers in our hands, which are essentially these little devices that vibrate. Um, or there are devices made out there where there's tones interchangeably going to the right and left ear that we listen to. Um, there's even self-tapping and, and other things out there that we can use to have this bilateral stimulation occur. 
the idea behind that is that when the bilateral stimulation occurs, it induces something similar to REM sleep. And the idea is to bring us to an altered state of consciousness, almost. I would describe it as that state where you are relaxed and you're almost asleep, but not quite asleep. Um, so that state where you're aware of your surroundings, but very relaxed. Sometimes people think this sounds a little bit like hy hypnosis. And while it may sound that way, it is not the same. When somebody is doing EMDR with the therapist, they're interacting with the therapist completely on their own. There, there isn't anything that gets in the way of that. There's no commands or anything that the therapist has to do in order to help that person move through. Right, right. And, and there's also a rhythm that may play a role in all of this as well. So either the rhythm of the vibrations or the eye movements, um, but that can have a calming effect. So this is something that Bruce Perry talked about in 2002, um, and he had compared this to maybe drumming or dancing that's used in many cultures to process emotions. So this really makes a lot of sense in terms of how it potentially works and how it potentially helps us relieve symptoms. And I do want to point out, Alina said that we're not exactly sure how EMDR works, and that is very true. But I do want to point out that this is an empirically based treatment, and there is an exhaustive amount of research that's been done on EMDR, EMDR as a treatment, EMDR and how it works, how it works with different populations and different types of disorders. Um, this is one of the treatments for trauma for veterans of the U.S. military, and so the military has also done some extensive independent research of their own. So some additional research that's been done, Shapiro actually herself first tested EMDR back in 1988. Um, that was a small study, just had 22 subjects, but she did the study with vets, uh, victims of rape and sexual abuse. At the time when she first developed this, it was still called EMD. So it was still eye movement desensitization. It didn't have the reprocessing phase yet. But after a single procedure of doing the EMD treatment protocol, this treatment group did show a marked decrease in anxiety and a reduction in other traumatic symptoms. Since then, there's been positive results and they've been seen in numerous studies with veterans, as I said earlier, with phobias, panic disorders, victims of crime, first responders, police officers, people with phantom limb pain, and children that have been traumatized by assault or natural disaster, and of course, sexual assault survivors. So tons of studies really have been done on EMDR between 1992 and 2005 and later. Of course, they're still continuing. In 1995, though, EMDR-trained therapists attempted to replicate Shapiro's original study. Um, they had more participants. They had about 80 participants, some men and women. And they did find that in all areas, their participants maintained relief from their symptoms for 90 plus days after the treatment. Then they followed up again 15 months later and the individuals who participated again reported continued benefits from the treatment that they received. Since Shapiro first developed EMDR, practitioners have expanded EMDR beyond the original protocols. They've developed new protocols, new procedures for working with a wide range of clients and a lot of different concerns.
So EMDR is used primarily for the treatment of trauma and PTSD, or that's perhaps the most common thing that we hear in regards to EMDR. Again, it can be used to treat other disorders, substance use and abuse, anxiety, phobias, and things like that. When we mention trauma here, we do want to talk a little bit about what we mean by that. Sometimes you'll hear practitioners talk about the big T traumas and the little T traumas. A big T trauma is something that if you hear the story, you think, oh my goodness, of course you'd be traumatized by that. This can include things like natural disasters, rape, um, witnessing a violent crime or a violent crime happening to someone where they believe that they are going to have terrible injuries or death. Small T traumas are events that happen to us personally that have a personal meaning and create some stuckness. Those events reinforce or create a belief that we have about ourselves and that creates distress basically in clients and can be also treated with EMDR. Those, those small T's can make us feel less than and they can lead to us having a lesser sense of self-worth. Um, but they absolutely, just like those big T traumas, can have long-lasting effects. And we do know that EMDR can absolutely help with both of those. So we know that traumatic events, whether they be big T's or small T's, often get trapped in, uh, often get trapped in our brain and form um, sort of like a blockage. So like a broken record, they tend to replay in our heads over and over again and in our bodies as well. Um, and we can see that through nightmares or flashbacks and things like that. And so the goal with EMDR treatment is to reach a resolution of the trauma. And what we mean by that is we want to reduce the emotional charge that is associated with the memory. And we want to have an objective viewer understanding of the incident one day. And the way I often explain it is that we don't expect you to look at a traumatic memory after EMDR treatment and look at it as rainbows and unicorns. That's not really possible. But what we're hoping for is that you can look back and that it's not going to be triggering for you, that it's not going to cause a flashback um, or that it's not going to cause a disassociation, for example. So we're reducing that emotional charge and then hopefully we can kind of step back and have a bit of a more of an objective view of the incident that we can say, hey, it was hurtful, but it happened in the past and, and we can put it behind us. And I think that's a really important point that trauma, it feels like sometimes that it is still part of the present, even though it is in the past and sometimes the distant past. Trauma stops us from living in the present. And the point of EMDR and really any trauma treatment is to move someone away from that stuckness in the past and so that they are present in their present again. So when Shapiro first started doing EMDR, she had a very specific set of protocol that she used and everyone that she trained used. As we mentioned earlier, that's been expanded. It's been expanded by people who are trained in Shapiro's protocols, but also some other people who have experience with different populations and different kinds of issues. And so the process may not always look the same from practitioner to practitioner, but the idea behind it is the same. 
Right. Absolutely. And, and as even though the process may vary, the bilateral stimulation and the processing of whatever memory is associated with the event are the two essential parts of doing EMDR. So what that process usually starts off with is a preparation phase where a therapist, and this therapist does need to be trained in EMDR, um, so this therapist typically will prepare their client for EMDR, and that includes just explaining to them what EMDR is, how we think that works, some benefits and some limitations of this treatment. So some limitations or some risks of doing EMDR include possibly bringing up additional distressing memories. So sometimes what happens is if we do EMDR with an individual, perhaps they have forgotten some additional traumatic memories or things like that. And with us bringing up this memory network and trying to process these memories, we actually bring up additional negative or distressing memories. So that can definitely be something tough, not something that we can't work through with further EMDR or further treatment, um, but that is one limitation. There's a few risks to doing EMDR. It's only a few. Um, and it's some somatic risks. And that includes headache, lightheadedness, dizziness, sometimes nausea. Um, and most of those things can be dealt with with a nap and some water. It's It comes from being mentally exhausted. That's a very good point. Um, a, a lot of times individuals do feel tired after doing EMDR. Um, and I believe that's because there's so much emotional charge behind those memories. You know, once we process a, a traumatic or just a stressful memory, um, we tend to just become exhausted because that emotional charge leaves our bodies to some degree. Also during preparation, they'll do some resourcing. What resourcing means is helping the client have different coping skills or a social structure or um, different places that they can go for help, either in between sessions or when the therapist isn't available. Some of those might look like grounding techniques, relaxation techniques, um, crisis numbers, and building a social support structure. So when the client is ready for EMDR treatment, when the therapist and the client feel like they're ready and it is appropriate treatment protocol for them, we would go ahead and move forward with that treatment. And so throughout an EMDR session, uh, which does typically require 45 minutes to an hour, we would engage in that desensitization and reprocessing of the traumatic or the stressful memory. As we move into the actual process of EMDR, the first part that you would notice as a client who's participating is a relaxation phase. You'll hear a lot of repetitive words from your therapist about relaxing, about breathing. There may be a few different guided imagery type of relaxation techniques that are used prior to starting the desensitization portion. And then during the desensitization, as you would be working through your memory, you would have your bilateral stimulation going, whatever that is. That does vary by the counselor, and, and sometimes clients have a preference as well. Desensitization is sometimes thought of as an exposure therapy. What you're doing is you're going through that memory in your mind, 
repeatedly until the memory doesn't have the same emotional charge as it did before. And then as we're doing that processing and the desensitization phase, we would also integrate relaxation techniques within that as well, so that you're not just repeatedly on this high emotional charge, um, but we're actually including some relaxation techniques in there that are hopefully helping you stay calm and helping you process. Once that memory or that feeling has been processed and the participant is desensitized to that, as in they're having less emotional charge or no emotional charge to that memory, we move into the reprocessing phase. Right. And in this phase, we look at the beliefs that the individual has about themselves or the world as a result of this experience and how we can perhaps change that and and spin it to be maybe more positive or more realistic or just a more healthy way of looking at the world and ourselves. Trauma often creates a negative belief about somebody, about oneself or about the world that is irrational, but it's been enforced by these traumatic experiences. Once that's desensitized in reprocessing, we can replace it with something that is rational and true. And as we would be doing the, the reprocessing, we again would have the bilateral stimulation going, whatever that is. After desensitization and reprocessing, we move again into more relaxation techniques. We move away from that memory and back into the present time and place. And we always want to start and end EMDR with those relaxation techniques. I think that's really important. Uh, we never want to have, we, want, we never want to leave someone kind of hanging in the middle of a highly emotionally charged memory. So once EMDR is over, different therapists will have a different way of doing things but it's often typical for a therapist to start helping the client ground themselves in the here and now. And they'll also want to talk a little bit about how they felt during the process and what that process experience was like for the client. And typically clients do report feeling better, you know, either right away or maybe within a couple of days of doing EMDR. Of course, there's no treatment that is 100% effective, but we do see a lot of success in using EMDR, um, and, and a lot of clients tend to like it as well. Clients or participants in EMDR can plan or can expect that they're going to continue to process that trauma in the days following. So new thoughts, new feelings may come up, and these are, they can be negative, but they're typically a more positive belief. Right, absolutely. It's also important to know that depending on how much trauma or stressful events someone has been through in their life, EMDR could take some time to process all of those. So typically, EMDR is done on one memory at a time. So that means we cannot bunch up a whole bunch of memories and do them all at once. So potentially, this does mean that someone will have to come back and do a number of EMDR sessions to process things. And sometimes a memory itself is so complex that you need to separate it out and process different pieces of it at different sessions. So if you feel like this is a good therapy and you might be interested in it, the expectation that it's one and done is, is not typically reasonable. When Shapiro first discovered 
EMDR or that the eye movement helps with trauma, it's been, it was a really exciting breakthrough and, and it continues to be an exciting treatment for people who suffer from the effects of trauma, PTSD, and many other disorders. So if after listening to this, you think that this might be a treatment modality that would be helpful for you, contact somebody who's a trained EMDR therapist. And that doesn't just mean counselors. Counselors, social workers, sometimes nurse practitioners, psychologists can all have training in EMDR, but find somebody who is trained specifically in EMDR and have a consultation and appointment with them and talk to them about your interest in EMDR and if this would be a good modality for you. Thanks for listening to Temporary Circumstances. Find us on Instagram and leave us a review wherever you found us. 